Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book artist, writer and absolutely lovely individual, Lucy Sullivan, about what comics she would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, if you enjoy the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Lucy Sullivan. How's it going? Hi, I'm very well. Thank you. Excellent. And um, what's what's been going on today? Um, I've had my first day off actually, which has been oh, wow. oh, nice. sort of well. I was doing lots of um, so my crowdfunding officially finished at midnight last night. Yes, I so, saw. Congratulations. Thank you. Apologies if I was flooding your feed. <laughs> no, not at all. You've got it. You've got yeah. to get it out there. Yeah, it was that last kind of push for the subscribers for my book. So yeah, now yeah. it's sort of all winding up and. I've done a lot of cooking today, actually. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I quite like cooking, and uh, my neighbour has an allotment and gave me just the most ludicrous amount of courgettes ever. So <laughs> I've been pickling courgettes all day. <laughs> oh, amazing. Cool. Yeah, it was really relaxing. So you've got actually. courgettes for the apocalypse. Forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no getting away from the courgettes. It might not be the greatest of foods to go into the end of days but that's what we've got it's something <laughs> yeah. it's something yeah it'll taste nice you know? yeah totally, totally. <laughs> the first five times <laughs> um, and for, for for anyone uh that that hasn't uh come across you before um what do you do in the world of comics so I am. Um, I mean, I'm quite new to the world of comics. I was originally yes. an animator, but I moved into comics in about 2016, yeah. and ludicrously decided that my first project should be a graphic novel because that's what you do <laughs> when you're really not thinking about Jump these in things. The deep end. Yeah, you know, sure. I've always had a problem with having a too big an idea. I don't do short form very well, but I'm working on that, trying to do more short form. So um, if you have heard of me and if you haven't come across me, then I'm very glad that I wasn't infecting your social media feeds because I've been crowdfunding my graphic novel Barking for about two years now. And uh, it's finally finished and it's about to go to press. So it's very exciting. So I I write and draw. So I do a bit of both at the moment. But mainly I I would call myself an artist. And, And how would you describe Barking? It is an allegory based on the experience of myself and people I know and some research on a mental health crisis mm. but put into a yeah hopefully a story that's sort of ghost story it's, it's about grief it's about mental health uh, mental illness depression and it's set in a fictionalized hospital and um, yeah it's it's quite dark but hopefully it's got something to say. We shall see. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, and where can people uh, find out more about that project? So you can uh, pre-order now at Unbound's website, and that's unbound.com forward slash books forward slash barking. And I'll also be launching um, at the Lakes International Comic Art Fest in October. So come along to that as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I spoke to uh, to Ian and Nikki uh, not too long ago, um, on on this very podcast, listen uh, to that, and you did. Ah, oh, great! Yes, yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, they've 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 got a great <clears throat> rapport with each other, don't they? Um, yeah, um, I, I I've just done a record with them. Actually, I'm going to be on their August podcast, and yeah, yeah they, I, you'd imagine that they'd at least get some giggles out of the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> they find the funny side, although it feels like they're going to be splitting camps quite early on. <laughs> Very different strategies. <laughs> sure. Yeah, important um, in a relationship, I think. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? And yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to make it up there at some stage. I don't think I'll make it this year, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So I will miss you then. But uh, yeah, I'm, I was just in the Lake District a couple of weeks ago, actually, and it's, it's oh, gorgeous, lovely. isn't it? Well, I, I'm yet to see it not absolutely chucking it down. Um, oh, no. I, went, <laughs> I went to the lakes last year and it was 
flooded, and I mean yeah. flooded, like yeah. the actual town, you couldn't get out, which is fine. We were right in the centre of town, so we had a great time, and I really enjoyed it, and it gave this kind of weird extra element to the festival to be so wet but um yeah i'm hoping it might be a little bit sunnier so i can get to see a little bit more of the actual you know countryside this time would be nice yeah. definitely yeah, yeah. please definitely um and where can people find you on social media i'm on most things under at lucy sullivan uk so twitter instagram i have a tumblr i hardly ever go on there i'm on uh, facebook lucy sullivan uk.com and my website is lucy sullivan uk.com and sullivan is s-u-l-l-i-v-a-n in case you're wondering <laughs> there's a there's some quite long spellings of it in traditional irish terms so oh, are there um, oh, are yeah. there extra l's or yeah it's like b's and h's and stuff instead of b's it's like sulia bahan kind of thing it goes on forever right that type of thing like siobhan yes i have the anglicized version which is a lot easier to spell and make websites out of very much so um and those links are in the show notes so feel free uh listeners just to click through straight there to all of lucy's stuff um so um unfortunately um i do have some bad news for you and that is that there's an asteroid heading for london yeah basically um so my question is to you is is what do you do in preparation for that asteroid and and what's your plan of action for for the actual impact itself well you know of all the apocalypse i was amazed to find that this was the one i feel most calm about because (laughs) there's just like nothing there's nothing you can do right it's an asteroid you you can't run from it it's too big You've just got to kind of face your fate with it, I think. And um, I was terrified it was going to be a zombie apocalypse. And I literally have nightmares about that every time I'm stressed. So I'm really pleased it's not zombies. <laughs> Although I'm probably quite well prepared for zombies. Um, I'm, I thought asteroid actually, yeah, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of okay with this. So where I live in London, we've got, we're in a very kind of hilly part. And we've got this amazing top park nearby where everyone goes at New Year's Eve and Guy Fawkes and just sits on the park and you can see across the whole of London. So you don't have to have your own fireworks display or go anywhere. You can just sit there and see London's display. So we can see the London Eye and we can see St Paul's and everything. So it's an amazing view. And I thought, well, what better way (laughs) to watch London go up in smoke in a literal big bang than sitting at the top of that hill, right? And there's always a party when it happens. There's always, like, we've had brass bands turn up. There's always, like, loads of people come and bring their booze and picnics and those kind of Chinese lanterns and their own fireworks sometimes. There's always someone with a sound system. So I think it will be actually, could be potentially a bit of a party atmosphere up there. So I'm feeling surprisingly good about it. (laughs) Got to say. Yeah, well... I, I mean, I, I've always, I think a lot of people in comics and creative industries, I really struggle to separate reality and fiction. It's like, as soon as you <laughs> sent me these questions, I genuinely went, you know, I grieved everything. <laughs> I went through the process, but I thought, actually, this could be, this could be relaxing in a very obscure way. So, yeah, we're all set, I think. We're just going to make it, you know, a party and a picnic and, Thanks. you know. Yeah, and, and, and what's your uh, your drink of choice for the end? Oh, of the world, I'm do you think? a gin and tonic girl. I've got to say, nice. um, I grew up in a pub, so you know, I quite like an espresso martini. But I think it would be, in fact, I'd go all out and just be gin martinis. I mean, who cares, right? Boom. You may as well just do it. it with a smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> Too right. I, mean, I didn't then... realise I was so fatalistic until I did this podcast. <laughs> I think it's more the situation, isn't it? Yeah. Um, sure. really. If it was zombies, I'd be fighting tooth and nail, no question. But yeah, too right. yeah. asteroid deserves gin, I think. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, and then is there is there anyone with you on the hill? Yeah, my family would be there and I got... So I've got my partner, Stephen, and my daughter, Frankie, and I got really upset thinking about Frankie. And, yeah. um, but 
she loves fireworks, so I just have to convince her that this was the world's greatest firework display. We would never see its like, and in many ways that would be true. So that would be. I wouldn't technically be lying. You know? No, not at all. Not at all. I might be giving her some gin too. You know, who knows? Well, why not? You know, it's, yeah. it's the end of the world. Exactly. <laughs> Who's going to say I can't? <laughs> um, and whilst uh, whilst you're uh, you're drinking uh, your your gin martini, um, your your daughter does ask you, uh, what's the first comic you remember enjoying? Yeah, so I think I mean I obviously read things that were in like my dad's papers and stuff. So I remember Calvin and Hobbes and I remember Garfield and stuff. But really, the one that I remember that was mine and felt like it was nothing that was a sideline to something adult, was Oink magazine. So that kind of came out, I think in the 80s, it would have been the 80s. And I remember it in end of primary school coming out, and we were all just totally obsessed with it, because it was rude and funny and daft, and just just for our age range, like the adults just didn't get it. So I guess it'd be a bit like the Beano, but even... Even ruder, actually. <laughs> yeah. And dark, you know, the strip I most remember was one called The Plops, and it was like a family of poos, and uh, it was just hilarious. And they had a seven-inch on the first, I think it was the first magazine. I remember going to a friend's party, and her parents had got all this stuff at her party, and all we wanted to do was just play this seven-inch of The Plops like, all the time. <laughs> And it was brilliant. I think apparently Charlie Brooker started out writing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he did some stuff for Oink. I did read yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think he was that much older than me, so I don't know if it was later than when I read it, but yeah, it was extraordinary and really quite quite something at the time, definitely. But then I also thought, well, it sort of changed my my comics habits changed quite a lot as everyone's does when you become a teenager so I probably kind of stepped aside a little bit from them and um, I was still picking up kind of 2018 and stuff and I lived in a pub above a pub um, my parents ran it so we had living bartenders and uh, one of them gave me Tank Girl when I was about I must have been about 13 and I was a bit of a terraway at the time <laughs> I had, a, I had a few earrings and short hair and he said this is you uh, you should read it <laughs> so <laughs> I'd like to think that I was nowhere near as bad as her and um, but I, I absolutely loved it I'd just never seen anything like it I thought the artwork was just stupendous so that was like the Jamie Hewlett um, Alan Martin original one and yeah it was just rude again very very funny and very naughty but you know everyone I think a lot of girls weren't particularly well represented particularly in the 80s at times mm. and the 90s ugh, the 90s especially so oh headed gosh, yeah. lad culture <laughs> yeah so to have some girl who was just telling everyone to shove it in no uncertain terms was <laughs> yeah pretty extraordinary actually Awesome. And then at this stage, uh, were you were you drawing and writing your own comics? Yeah, I, I was drawing. I mean, I think I was probably still more emulating at that stage. Um, right. I didn't. I wrote sort of. Oh, tragically, now I look back on it, just poetry. <laughs> that I sort of I was really into hip hop, so they were kind of rhymes and poetry, and yeah, I that draw. Cool. Well, they were probably so awful. I dare, I dare to see them again. And I do these like illustrations to go with them. And I remember one, I furiously writing it because I was on the tube, and someone had nicked my Walkman out of my back, my rucksack, oh, right. and me going home and like angrily writing a poem, <laughs> drawing a picture of my cartoon self being really miffed about losing my Walkman. You know, I mean teenagers and, and art are very um, distinct it's a very distinct part of your life and I never want to see any of the stuff I did there <laughs> but uh, I, I think I got most of my inspiration probably around that time like the stuff that really impacts on you but what I was producing was pretty pretty rubbish I'd imagine <laughs> oh, I don't know about that um, yeah. but, but you know these things kind of set a foundation for us 
mm. a little bit the fact that you know sure. you, you had such a passion for for well it's such a part of who you are that when you know you, you had something stolen that you had to draw yourself <laughs> being angry yeah you know, a lot of other people would vent their anger into something else you know yeah, well, I could do that too, but I'd first have to go home and like furiously write poetry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was that cool when I was when I was a teenager. Oh, I you don't know. know. I'd just be. Cool. <laughs> I don't know. I'd just go go out on my bike and don't know. Go go down the uh, my local uh, local BMX jumps probably. Um, oh, but that sounds nice. And then, I mean, and then, well, and then we'd like you know do the whole lighter and deodorant thing and stuff I think. oh yeah no yeah, i did play that, that. that. <laughs> yeah there was that yeah we were more you know parks the uh, london city parks and stuff but yeah i don't think it differs very much wherever you are frankly when you're 13 and you've got no money you, you find a way right yeah exactly that's awesome um and so uh the your your daughter asked you uh another comic question and that is what's the funniest or the comic that like, made you laugh out loud the most yeah gosh I was trying to think because I, I don't really buy funny comics um I, I I did you know what was nice about doing this was looking at my collection and thinking wow they're quite heavy there's not there's not a lot of light relief in my collection to be fair but um you know again where the like Tanga was in Deadline and there was a strip in that called Milk and Cheese that I always find funny and I could still happily read it now and get a good giggle out of it. And that was, you know, I think it was what's it, Evan, Evan Dawkin and it was dairy products gone bad and they were just always drunk and yeah, yeah it was very amusing. But um, recently, actually at the last Lakes, I picked up Lick, Lip Hook by David Hine and Mark Stafford. And that is just proper funny, like a properly laughing reading it. And it was such a joy to read. Um, they are both have very naughty and very specific English humour in it. It's very kind of, gosh, like sort of layer of the white worm meets kind of American werewolf meets, I don't know, uh, <laughs> Wicker Man or something. It's really, really funny. So if you're in need of a giggle, I can not recommend it high enough. It's uh, it's sort of extremely funny and beautifully drawn. I mean, the detail is just astonishing, actually. But it's a real cast of characters that you could only get in an English village, and there's something very iffy going on in this village. And two equally iffy people have kind of stumbled into it, and things are about to to become apparent <laughs> in them. Um, quite uh english but also quite naughty ways so it's quite a naughty book but it's a lot of fun that's awesome and and lip hook's the name of the village right lip, yeah it's the name of the village that this sort of i think they're a couple of kind of small town small time crooks kind of stumble through this fog mm. and um, something happens very much at start in the fog to one of them and um the then they sort of move into the village and the village takes its toll on the couple and the people but as ever in these stories the people that know what's going on are the teenagers you know so <laughs> I love I love a sort of cozy apocalypse and it's got that vibe to it it's really great nice and then are there any particular moments that kind of yeah made you actually laugh out loud <laughs> there's quite a few oh there's quite a few right <laughs> There's quite a few. There's some particularly, there's a very interesting game of cricket going on right at the start. And, oh, uh, that's, that's funny where I just, because it's Arts Council funded as well. And I'm just amazed with what they got away with, <laughs> considering. Uh, well done, Arts Council. Um, you are supremely good at supporting graphic novels. Uh, <laughs> there's also some scenes in the church involving um yeah, it's very scantily clad. There's a lot of nudity <laughs> and a lot of dodgy biscuits. Um, yeah, it's it's just funny. I can't, nudity cannot... and dodgy biscuits. You know, that should be the tagline. <laughs> right. or, or like one of the quotes on the back. You know, nudity and dodgy biscuits. <laughs> Lucy Sullivan. I'm sure, I'm sure they'd both appreciate that greatly. <laughs> 
is awesome. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so uh, changing gears, uh, the next mm-hmm. question that comes up as the as the asteroid in the sky is getting bigger and bigger um, is what's the saddest or most upsetting comic that you've read? Yeah, see, I've got I've got a huge amount of these. So sort of, I could have picked about eight, I think. Especially when I was um, researching for Barking, I was really trying to see what graphic novels and comics were capable of. And they're capable of just enormous depth and emotion. Mm-hmm. And I think that re- there's such an intimate experience reading a comic because it's just you and the, and the, the story that you can really take people on quite an intense journey. So I think the ones that really have it, I couldn't, I'm, I'm sorry that I've got like double choices all the time, but I really, really <laughs> struggled to kind of bring it down. But so I read two leading up to Making Barking that really had an impact. The first was Nicholas Stregan's Billy, Me and You, which is, I read whilst pregnant, which is just probably not oh, the greatest idea. Gosh, yeah. Yeah. So it's about her losing her son, I think, when he was two. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, she just draws that kind of the heartbreak of that sudden loss. I mean, I've never lost a child, so I can't imagine what that's like to go through. But I have had a sudden bereavement. And um, she really kind of nails that just the extraordinary position you find yourself in when the world carries on. And you're just left there in that place and all the kind of banal stuff that has to happen and the things that people try to say to be nice but fall so heavily at times. Yeah, it's it's extraordinary. It's really sort of simply drawn. And I think that kind of makes it even more heart-wrenching because it's so honest, you know. And Nicola is... So Nicola runs... She's one of the people that runs Ladies Do Comics in London and she's just this kind of effervescent uh, bubbly exciting passionate woman that you just would struggle if you hadn't read this to know has this just bit lived through this extraordinary heartbreaking experience so yeah I really it's really heavy but it's really beautifully written and put together so you know I think if you can stomach it do read it because it will make you, it will widen your perspective on things, especially child loss, I think is something that people rarely talk about. Yeah. And um, obviously it happens a lot, you know. So, mm. yeah, that was amazing. And then I also read um, When David Lost His Voice by Judith Vanistendal. I don't want to say it wrong, but uh, she's Dutch, I believe. So... My um, pronunciation is probably terrible, <laughs> but it came out with self-made hero. And again, it's a really heavy topic. It's uh, David sort of um, his daughter's growing up and he discovers he has esophageal cancer. And it's about the kind of family's journey of dealing with the fact that he's not going to get over this and him going through his treatment and how they sort of deal with their day-to-day lives from his wife's perspective and from his daughter's perspective and his perspective. So um, it's just stunning. It's sort of all done with watercolours and gouache and it's so beautifully rendered and so evocative of just everyday life and then these moments where people go into themselves. I think she has an amazing rhythm and pacing to the book that you just feel like you're living every day from the like the mundane chats to the holiday at the lake where people dive in or there's a glorious couple of panels where someone's just driving down the street and they're not talking because they can't talk about it and it's just the busy road and the car on the road and this sort of wash of sky changing the surroundings it's just beautiful absolutely stunning book so I think Judith's going to be at the lakes as well so I'm really looking forward to meeting her and gushing about her work at her. <laughs> yeah, and getting your coffee signed, of course. Yeah, I'm going to have to drag it up there just to get her to do it, because I just I love it. It's one of my kind of go-to recommendations for people. It's a really beautiful book. Fantastic. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's an interesting question, this one. And um, 
when people answer it, uh, they don't necessarily think that they're looking for comics or graphic novels that are going to make them sad. Uh, but I think it's such an important subject, and obviously that's something that you've approached with barking. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, what was really kind of your your inspiration to um, go about tackling that head on? So when I was about 23, well, I was 23, I was living in New Zealand and my dad died suddenly of a mm. brainstem aneurysm. So he was really young. He was like 54, oh, super yeah. healthy. Yeah. No one saw it coming. And it was essentially a, a birth defect. But mm. um, I had like a 48-hour trip. I had 24 hours. It was a Sunday in New Zealand. So mm. I lived in a small town in the South Island. So I couldn't get a flight, couldn't do anything. So to wait 24 hours before everything opened and I could book a flight and then it was like 48 hours travelling home, knowing that they were going to switch his machines off and stuff. And it was really traumatic. And I hadn't lived here for about, my mum's a Kiwi, so I'd, I'd been out in New Zealand for about three years right. and uh, came back to London. And I just, it was such a change of pace. I didn't really know anyone anymore and the people mm. that I'd left behind, I had some quite complicated relationships with them and about a kind of year or so, maybe a year and a half after getting back, I realised after a really bad night out where I put myself and a friend in harm's way um, and another friend told me unashamedly the following day that I had a massive anger problem and I had to do something about it. And uh, I realised I was just in a spiral of kind of self-destruct, really. And, um, yeah, so I got therapy. I went and did some CBT. I was lucky enough I wasn't sectioned. But um, in the years after, I saw people that were, and they were from different reasons. And their treatment was just horrific, just horrific. And I was so angry about it. I was so angry that we let that happen to someone when they're in such a vulnerable position and how I would have I, you know what it would have done to me if that had happened to me at the time so I just sort of started trying to write about it to combine those experiences so that I could talk about what happens when you're sectioned and how devastating and terrifying it is but also talk about how grief and depression are linked and how one can lead to the other and how it's easy to miss especially, you know, my anger problems stemmed out of the fact that I was grieving and I just wasn't mm -hmm. dealing with it. Yeah. And I cut a really unsympathetic figure. You know, people just didn't want to deal with me. And fair enough, I was, I was a nightmare. So it's that as well. Like, just you've got to try and look past someone's behaviour sometime. There might be something else going on. And people don't really talk about women being angry. I think there's quite a few links between men and depression and it's showing as anger, but it's not as common for that to happen with women, but it does happen, you know. So, yeah, mm. I, wanted to, I wanted to say quite a lot, obviously, yeah. <laughs> quite a lot to say about it. But, um, yeah, so it felt important, and it felt the more I was meeting people that have mental health problems or grieving, there was, there was a discussion to be had, really. Yeah, absolutely, and, it, and it's about enlightening people about that fact and as yeah. you say kind of trying to just look past the behavior and think oh maybe there's a root cause to this yeah and how you know that someone's behavior on the surface is utterly hiding what's going on within their head and what I was experiencing in my head was just terrifying the thoughts I was having and mm -hmm. I no one would have seen that they would have just seen that I was using my bravado to kind of cover it up you know like I said I grew up in a pub I grew up in London you know, I know I know how to put a face on. I know how to act like I don't care when actually I care too much, and that was yeah. the problem. You know, so yeah, and I I know I'm not alone. And so many people have spoken to me since. I mean, I'm 20 years. It'll be exactly 20 years when the book comes out since it happened. So I'm in my 40s now. You know, I've got perspective on it, and it's still hard. I still get the kind of the grief thump where you're suddenly back to that day but I can cope with it and I've got strategies but I think people also don't talk about how hard your 20s are and how confusing yeah. it is and you've got all this really intense stuff happening and you're supposed to just know how to deal with it but actually 
you still feel like you're 17, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's sort of talking, I'm trying to talk specifically, I think, to that age group as well, because it's a rough yeah. time. I very sure. much so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible, isn't it? So, well, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that coming out and kind of, you know, um, pointing people in that direction <laughs> and things. Well. <laughs> the what, yeah. There are some lighter sections, you know. There's yeah, also some. Yeah, of course. It's not just like. <laughs> way, way it's not just heavy. And I think it comes across as kind of a ghost story at times, but yeah. I've really tried to explore the artwork, and people seem to be quite drawn to the kind of visualizations I've used. So, you know, do have a look and see because you might find it interesting, even if you think it's not your topic, as it were. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Great. Um, and so um, you're at halfway. Uh, with your glass of G and T, um, or your third. gin martini, sorry, you're on your third <laughs> yeah. one, sorry, yeah, of course. I think I'm about halfway through the bottle, I'd imagine. Yeah, there we go. Let's go with that. Yeah. Um, and the uh, the next question that comes up um, is, uh, what's the scariest, almost horrifying comic that you've read? Yeah, so I have a really intense imagination, so I hardly ever watch horror films, even though I really like them. Yeah. as a genre and I really enjoy them when I watch them I pay for months later about what I've seen I'll have nightmares and I will wake up in the middle of the night and I just will think I'm in that situation so like I I, I can't switch off from them whatever's happening on screen will be happening to me five minutes later as far as my head's concerned so horror comics I definitely stay away from but a friend of mine Pedro made me read The Walking Dead issue one when it came out oh. and I was at his flat so I could not read it he literally likes <laughs> Portuguese and he said you have to read this it's so amazing it's like the best it's just so cinematic it's just perfect it's just amazing and it, it, it was just brilliant and when I did I did watch the first I think we watched the first two series but yeah. god I paid for it I didn't sleep for weeks and I still have oh, <laughs> But it's zombies for me. It's like there's the ultimate. You can't, you just cannot get out. And the minute they made them start running as well, it's like, oh, now it's game over. You know, it's just literally. <laughs> yeah, Twenty days later is not a good watch for you. That, in that, London as well. It's you like, know, you know, and we live awesome. near Greenwich, so uh, the 28 <laughs> weeks, the amount of times we sort of go on the DLR, and I'm like, is it this station? It is this yeah. station, right? You know, it's just terrifying. Yeah. No, I mean, that's done for me and is forever in the back of my mind. <laughs> so thank you, Danny Boyle. You know. um, but so I, I would say the scariest I've ever read is The Walking Dead one. And I do, I think it's extraordinary. And I, you can see that for the fact that the TV series, the first episode is shot for shot, the first comic, yeah. you know, so mm-hmm. I'm hands up. And I, I thought the drawing was amazing, but the, the angles that they did, there's like the bike on the road and he's walking up and there's like just a dead body that can't get to him. That's well, a zombie that still wants to eat him. Uh, just amazing. Really, really amazing. But Enough so that I never read another one because <laughs> it was just too scary. <laughs> too so much, definitely. I did see that your question could be disturbing as well. Yeah. So I've got lots of disturbing comics because I can do that. You know, I can sort of, I can't go the full-blown right. gore and horror fest, but I can do disturbing. And mine would be Gareth Brooks, the longest title ever. It's called The Land of My Heart Chokes on Its Abundance. And um, this, I've just never read anything like it. And Gareth is like one of the kind of stalwarts of the UK small press scene. But his work is just like no one else. Absolutely no one else. I would recommend everyone should read uh, The Black Project, which was his debut graphic novel about boy Richard who builds his own girlfriend at like household materials. It's just, just amazing. But this Gosh. one is... Uh, yeah. <laughs> this one is entirely wordless, apart from some symbols. It's all done in a kind of risograph looking print. It's sort of pinks and greens. And Gareth works a lot in mono prints and embroidery and liner cuts. I think this one I would have said was all mono prints. And it's just beautiful and it's bizarre. I, I cannot explain it to you. There's like these big chimney. Are they penises? Are they mountains? I don't know. Are they kind of <laughs> puffing out 
things that become kind of little people who have real grown-up bodies but baby heads and they sort of seem to be communicating with these big kind of chimney things and then they go into these kind of cubes. It, like, who knows? It's like this bizarre, futuristic society which works in some sort of symbiotic relationship with the land. And I read a lot of sci-fi and it really made me think of uh, Margaret Atwood novel called After the, or the Year of the Flood and it's part of the kind of Mad Adam trilogy. And it's all sort of like what's left behind after a, an environmental disaster meets a sort of Steve Jobs character who builds perfect humans. And um, yeah, it's got a lot of those vibes. And it just, I think about it all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just catch myself thinking about some of the pages because it's beautiful and really well laid out I mean he's got such an eye for pattern and panels Gareth he's a fine artist originally so he's brought that aesthetic into it and he's you know he's bloody clever as well so it works really well but if anyone can figure out what it's about I'll I'll pay you to tell me (laughs) because it's just (laughs) it just melts in your brain and um, yeah it's yeah do do look I think you could only get through his website which is garethbrooks.com but it's a stunning kind of one-off piece but yeah it will really mess with your brain so be warned (laughs) definitely yeah um because yeah i I just uh googled it whilst we were just uh talking and i I did look at it uh before but yeah some of that imagery is pretty uh as you say disturbing (laughs) right (laughs) on another level he has a singular mind, Gareth, and um, it's very and his work is so different. But that's the one where you just go, I have no idea where this is going or what it means. But I can't look away. I just I have to I have to keep going with. It. <laughs> yeah, it's one of it's those. It's amazing, excellent. Um, so uh, the next question that comes up is the it's getting pretty big now. The asteroid. And so, mm. kind of the, the the sky is starting to light light up. Um, and your your daughter asks you, "What's the most meaningful comic to you?" Well, then the time is perfect because then it's I'm going to talk to her about Leica, which is by Nick Abbasis. So Nick's a good friend of mine actually, and I met him doing signings for Leica at a comic shop in Richmond. And I sort of said to him, oh, "I'd really like to do a comic," and he's like, "Yeah, great!" And he was so encouraging. And he wrote me a list of about 20 people to contact, like editors, self-made hero and blank slate. And he just li- listed out people for me. He's such a nice bloke. And I just couldn't believe it. And then two weeks later, I was oh, maybe a bit longer. I was teaching life drawing at Kingston University then. And lo and behold, Nick walks into my class. You know, really? Yeah. <laughs> and I know he's like massive. Like he used to draw for deadline and, I think right. he edited at 2000 AD and then he's like walking into my class and I've got to teach him how to draw and he knows how to draw, you know, so yeah. it's like, okay. And um, luckily he's just a really great, cool guy, uh, incredibly knowledgeable about everything and uh, much like myself, quite a cantankerous and uh, frustrated artist at the time. He was lots of swearing when he was drawing. <laughs> so I could work with that, I understand that. And yeah, so Leica is his book, uh, his Eisner winning graphic novel yeah. about the dog, the Russian sent to space. So it's sort of really told from the dog handler and the scientist's point of view. But it's also told from Leica, the dog's point of view. And it's just a beautiful piece of work, really. I mean, it's so evocative of kind of that era of Soviet kind of space race. And I know Nick Mm -hmm. worked really hard to get all the details correct, but also he's the king of pagination. I mean, the man knows how to pace a page and his pet, you know, you turn for those beats so beautifully. I mean, if, if anyone's read it, they will know because they will have cried and you cannot read like and not cry, you know, Mm -hmm. and I've, I've met several people who I would have thought wouldn't cry and they're still like oh my god because he deals ultimately everyone should know what happened it's not a secret they sent the dog up they didn't have any plans to bring her back so 
where do you go with that? And his resolution for it is just beautiful and a really great lesson that I could use, I think, as well to explain things to my daughter, because it's all about seeing things in another way, despite the kind of inevitability, really. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. And so that was really kind of, was that a real turning point in terms of kind of starting the process for barking or? Yeah, hugely. And yeah. Nick was the one who really pushed me again because he was on my class and he's like, so what's happening? You know, did you get on right. with the comic and what are you doing? And so I was teaching a lot and I was working. I trained, did illustration and animation at Kingston. And um, I did a bit of 2D animation when I left. I worked as a, a animation co-director and we did some music videos, but you're either expected to work for nothing or in our mm-hmm. case, we were completely shafted by the music industry and it was a really <clears throat> difficult experience and I just couldn't uh, be doing with that, frankly. Yeah. So I was working at an animation studio and I was just doing backgrounds for um, uh, director Tony Comley and it was really nice work. It was really well paid, but it's utterly unsatisfying creatively because you're just working to someone else's wants and needs and you know Tony would be happy with stuff that I probably would have wanted to spend another week on you know and he'd be like no that's good enough you know and it was just that's that it was just a job you know and it was becoming just too routine to just go and do your work and not really get anything out of it and next I just make the comic you know just get on with it Mm -hmm. so I did start looking into it I went on I started writing and researching and I went on a Guardian masterclass for how to write a graphic novel which was brilliant and like Carrie Franzman there and um, Pat Mills and Audrey Neffenegger and it was such a great day it was really good and turns out loads of people actually in the UK small press scene were there that day as well so it was clearly quite a big impact on quite a lot of people but um I walked away from that going yeah I'm gonna do this I've got my idea and then I got pregnant so cut to about two years later (laughs) (laughs) after I've you know gone through just I couldn't do anything when I was pregnant I couldn't draw couldn't write couldn't do anything my brain like soup and then when my daughter was probably about about nine months or so I started getting some time and just started chipping away again and actually weirdly it allowed me to because my teaching stopped and the other work it allowed me to focus on it full time around the child care so yeah it was great and I'm still in contact with Nick he's written the foreword for Barking so yeah the comics not just because it's a wonderful piece of work because Nick himself is such a, a wonderful guy and he's actually kickstarted so many careers, both here and where he lives now in New York. The the comics industry as a whole is probably owes him quite a great debt, to be honest. You know. Amazing. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, he's a good guy. If you get the chance, you should definitely talk to him. He knows yeah. so much about comics. <laughs> it's incredible. I'd, I'd love to get him on the show. <laughs> Yeah, well, I can ask. You know, more than yeah, that. please, that would be amazing. He's a very busy guy, but I'll certainly ask, you know. I know he's working on the second Pigs Might Fly book, um, so, you know, I'm sure he'd love to chat about that. Oh, awesome, yeah. Oh. So, you know, we'll, we'll try and make that happen. <laughs> so thanks very much, Lucy. <laughs> awesome. Um, and so uh, the next question that crops up, is uh, what's the most underrated comic? Yeah, the, this one, I think, this was a tie for me between this and whether it was the best comic, but I think it's definitely the most underrated. So it's Domu, uh, The Dreams of Children, which is by Katsuhiro Otomo. And everyone knows his work on Akira, which is, you know, groundbreaking and extraordinary and utterly brilliant and is probably singularly the reason why I wanted to be an animator after... Wow. all the Disney stuff. I, absolutely, mm-hmm. I saw Akira at Prince Charles Cinema when I was a teenager and just utterly blown away and went immediately to Forbidden Planet and just started buying up all the manga. And I found Domu then. And it's right. just, no one ever seems to know it, <laughs> like ever. <laughs> and I think I got really lucky to find it because it's, it's such a brilliant one-shot story. And it, it's still got the kind of supernatural elements that he's so famous for, 
but it's all set on just a single council estate. So it sort of starts on this estate where there's been a series of kind of bizarre deaths and the local police are like, oh, I don't know, it's kind of getting a bit weird. So they start looking into it. Um, but again, it's the, the adults are just failing to see utterly what's going on, but the kids on the estate are starting to really figure it out and particularly one kid in particular. And it becomes this kind of face off over the estate between the protagonist, don't want to ruin anything, and one of the kids. And um, it's just amazing how he manages to have this in one environment, but the angles he draws from, because obviously some of these become battles and they are bouncing around the roofs of the estate and across, you know, it's, there's no kind of gravity at play at times because there's this magical realism aspect. And um, it's just amazing. And also because I think Otomo was one of the few people who drew Japanese people to look like Japanese people. You know, I thought right. it was really important. He sort of this huge kind of kawaii cuteness stuff. And he was drawing stories from an everyday kind of normal perspective where, you know, it was nice, again, with like Akira and with Domu, where, you know, Akira, the kids are just, you know, naughty kids. They're naughty teenagers. And in Domu, it's like housewives gossiping. School kids are just sort of playing and looking at toys. And I think he writes, even though I read the translation, I think he writes people on a very real level. You know, I right. love the kind of mundanity next to this extraordinary happening and some really gruesome deaths. I mean, really, <laughs> well, yeah, really gruesome, but beautifully <laughs> rendered. It's quite scary, actually, at times as well. I would say it's got some real horror elements to it, certainly. Mm. Oh, that's so cool. check it out. It's amazing. No, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to put that on my to read list. <laughs> And it's a black and white, so it was a big influence again for me on barking, with which right. is all set in again one environment, so just in the hospital. So what you could do with one environment and in black and white, I mean, he's the master, definitely. There's like no draftsman like him in the yeah. world, I think. No doubt, because yeah, I hadn't heard of this uh, of this one in particular. So when, it, yeah, when I, must I have looked up, and it's like stumbled okay, well, on yeah, it. of course. <laughs> Yeah, read it, do, because it's really, really brilliant. I had a, another flick of it um, because of talking to you about it. And uh, I thought, yeah, you know, it's just, it's so woefully under under read. So please do, please go and check it out, you know. And um, yeah, I hope, I hope you enjoy it if you do. Excellent, I'll let you know for sure. Excellent. Yes, um, please. <laughs> and so uh, we come on to one of the most difficult questions um, and that is for you. What is the best comic of all time? Yeah, I've really struggled with this, and I yeah. had to sort of just try and think of something that covered all the things that I think comics can cover, like all the ways they can make you feel, and how broad a scope they can take you on. So. In the end, I thought of The Ballad of Halo Jones, so the full collected series, which is how I read it. I missed it in 2000 AD, right. and I was given it as a collected series when I was about 17. Um, and it just, you know, it's bang, you go straight into this kind of bizarre future world of just docked ships in space. The language is completely new and extraordinary it's so believable straight off the bat even though it's so out there and you just buy into it and you pick up you, they don't do any explanation you're just straight into it i mean it's alan moore so he's just yeah. you know, get along with it whatever and then the ian gibson art is mad it's just nuts um the environments are so complicated and every outfit is so complicated and i mean the level of work in it is astonishing especially i appreciate it even more now having done my mm -hmm. own stuff to think that someone could work that hard on something is just amazing but so it goes through with halo jones who lives in sort of a kind of sink estate part 
of these kind of connected ships and her ways of trying to get up out and get away from it, but how she keeps getting drawn back and she ends up on all sorts of kind of different jobs and scenarios. And particularly I think when she ends up in a war scenario and uh, goes through a kind of Vietnam experience. And I think they were probably trying to talk about that. I mean, I was too young when I read it the first time around to really understand. And I think all I knew about kind of Vietnam was, watching mash and stuff with my dad you know so little understanding of any of that but she goes through a kind of ptsd after that and it's really powerful and the fact that it was all done with a a lead female character i just thought was amazing you know she's doing really dark stuff whilst also being a kind of 20 something girl who's a bit ditzy at times and just wants to party and yeah, it's, it, I think it covers the full scope of what a comic can do. You know, it takes you on this extraordinary adventure to a place you can, just couldn't imagine in the way that only comics, I think, can, but does it with such humanity, actually. And, you know, it's a really, it can be a really powerful read, but it's ultimately, I think, quite a hopeful story as well. So... Yeah, it's amazing, amazing work. And I, it was had a huge impact on me, actually, when I was younger, that, something could, that someone could create anything of that scope. I've, you know, I've read a lot of Alan Moore, obviously, and I do love a lot of his work. But I think that one was probably the one that got to me because it was my first real exposure to, to his and because I read it in one go. yeah yeah really powerful definitely so i mean it's a long read and a big read but yeah um i'm really glad that i read it in that way actually that's awesome and well how how big is it sorry it's massive god i mean i've got it here but the collected one i mean it doesn't even have the you know from hell compendium at the end which adds about 20 pages to it or whatever do you know, it hasn't even got page numbers, but it's got to be, it's got to be like 300 odd pages. I mean, it's, yeah. it's an inch thick and it's over a full size. Oh, is it? It's wow, ma- cool. Yeah, it's a big book. You know, my one is way over a, I don't even know what size that is. It's not A4, it's bigger or it's, it's just a bit wider actually okay. than A4. It's massive. And um, just a huge level of work I mean I don't know if that's just the imprint because this is from the 90s so I don't know if that's just how they did it then I do you know it is 90s extreme (laughs) it's 2000 AD it's the size of a 2000 AD comic okay but it's about an inch thick because it's the collected works from the 2000 AD series so god knows how many it was episodic wise but yeah it's got to be about 300 odd pages if not more incredible yeah that's yeah. that's another one that we have to add to the uh add to the reading list yeah um, you should there's so much that i i think you'll see that has been influenced by it since especially mm. in terms of what it the looks of how they picture the kind of futuristic uniforms and battles and creatures i mean there's so much cinema and other comics that you think well it's, it's halo jones right but yeah amazing that is so cool. Excellent. Um, and so uh, we come on to our last question in regards to comics, and that is if you could only take one comic from this list into the apocalypse, which would it be? Yeah, Leica, without a doubt. It has to be Leica because it just fits the situation so well. You know, mm-hmm. everything's going literally tits up and we've got to find <laughs> the kind of beauty in that. There's no escape, so... You know, I think Leica is a, I mean, it's just a terrible way to describe Nick's beautiful <laughs> book. But his, the way he resolves that, and you should read it just for his resolution, it's so gloriously done and it's such, it's a happy tear that he gives you um, that I could find a way of looking at an inevitable situation like that and find a beautiful, peaceful, calming resolution in the way that he has then yeah that's 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 a way to deal with life and impending um asteroid strikes 
it's, uh, it's very poignant to uh yeah to, to, to have that in your arms as the asteroid strikes hugely yeah i'll definitely do a chin chin to nick you know <laughs> as i plug back the rest of the gin the whole bottle no glasses too right and on that yeah. subject uh what weapon tool or useful item would you like to take yeah i mean with you? What, what are you gonna do with an asteroid <laughs> The only thing I could think is those, you know, when you saw um, like on a, a, a eclipse and they have those special sunglasses. Yeah. I thought probably that's about it, right? So that you could at least get right. to see about as much of it as possible before your retinas are burnt out. So I thought those, whatever those ones were that Trump refused to wear, I want those because <laughs> they're probably really amazing. Because <laughs> if he's not wearing them, then they're probably really great. So I'd like no a family set of those, please. Excellent. So, eclipse glasses. Yeah, there if you can. Uh, a small oh, yeah, one. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can provide them for all the family. It's fine. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll have enough gin in our systems collectively that I'm sure we'll be all right. But, you no know, it'd be nice to see the fireworks uh, that one last time. Too right, too right. Um, well, Lucy Sullivan, thank you so much for, for sharing your comics with the apocalypse. Thanks for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Ah, awesome. Um, and just one more time, where can where can the listeners find you on the interwebs? So find me at Lucy Sullivan UK on social media or my website, LucySullivanUK.com or my book Barking is coming out with Unbound in October at unbound.com forward slash books forward slash barking and get your pre-orders in now. Excellent. Uh, it's going to be launching at the lakes. Yeah, the lakes very generously uh, sort of co-collaborators on this. So they put some money into the project along with Arts Council England. So we're launching there. And I'm just very excited. So I've got that foreword by Nick and a cover quote from Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire. Awesome. So. Yeah, he, he's been really supportive of the project from the start and he even commissioned me to do a couple of things for Black Hammer. So I couldn't thank Jeff enough. Another super, super nice bloke in the world of comics. So buy his stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And then do you have any other cons coming up? or is it Yeah, just so the lakes. I'm going to be at Hackney Comics and Zine Fair in September in London Field. So that's September the 8th. That's going to be a brilliant day. We're going to be in London Fields Brewery. Come along, buy some UK small press stuff and drink lots of beer. We're going to have our own beer for the day. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be at Thought Bubble, but just as an enjoying, enjoyment punter level, yeah. um, my publisher, Unbound, will be there. And I will have books there, but I'm just going to go and enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, I think that's where I'm at so far, really. Just, uh, yeah, there's a lot of kind of promo stuff probably coming up. Yeah. And I've got some Kickstarters that I'm going to be doing the art for coming up soon as well. So cool. I'm sorry, I'll be annoying everyone's social media feeds again yeah. soon. <laughs> this is what it's all about, you know. It is. Um, don't, don't, don't show away from self-promotion because yeah. people want to yeah. see your art and, and, and you've got to tell people about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the next one is with Fraser Campbell, who wrote right. The Edge Off. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be doing the art. Um, on I a literally kind of have a Frank Quietly... Um, oh, from of, the, of the uh, of the edge off, on yeah, my wall I, right next to me. Yeah, <laughs> I've got the three covers in the front. It's so amazing. I love that story. I love Ian's work as well. It's just yes. bonkers and disturbing in a very wonderful way. But I really like uh, Fraser's writing, so I'm really, really looking forward to doing that. And then I've got another Kickstarter that I can't talk about yet, but it's with a american publisher and i'm super excited about that it's going to be fun and then i'm going to have to start doing some of my own stuff again some more zines my next one's going to be called how to build a feminist so look out nice. <laughs> and a subtle subject you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah definitely um, well, I start... go on lucy I said I start small with the topics, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just start on that small subject. You know, you're not going to open a complete can of worms. And well, I figure they already hate me anyway, so I may as well just keep keep opening. You know? Just keep going. Yeah, you know, I'm all for it. <laughs>
<laughs> Excellent. Cool. Well, thanks again for your time today. And uh, yeah, hopefully thanks. we'll catch each other at a, uh, at a con soon. Um, yeah, great. And properly meet face to face. Yeah, that'd be really nice. It'd be a real pleasure. Excellent. Thanks again, Lucy. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Lucy for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. I had an absolutely lovely time. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Lucy's work or follow her on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of her own links to the various areas of the internet. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.